Welcome back, friends. Lost Scarf here, and it's time for the newest Kirby's Dreamcast. This podcast is dedicated to going over everything Kirby, and this time we're going over Kirby Superstar, in a multi-part series to cover everything about it and go through the games thoroughly. We're also working on our first book episode, which will be based on Let's Find Kirby, the Where's Waldo book, but with Kirby. As always, you can give us feedback on the YouTube version's comments section or at Kirby Dreamcast on Twitter. Also, don't forget that Kirby's Dreamcast now has its own channel on YouTube, so you can get only Kirby content instead of all our other projects, if that's all you want. I recommend watching the YouTube version of this episode, since it will have a lot of visual representations of what I say. Also, gameplay footage will be on the side channel Scarf Plays on YouTube. If you want to see me and Jinx playing through the game, there you go right there, and all the footage from that will be in the video. Also, to my surprise, we are the first and only video going over Kirby Superstar in-depth on YouTube. I went looking around so I could double-check if I'm missing anything. No one's gone in-depth on this thing. It's gonna be us. That's a trip. We're gonna fill that niche. So the goal of gaming episodes is to tell you every detail I can find about the games inside and out. But sometimes there are gaps. For example, I just found out there's a Kirby's Adventure OST CD that isn't just the game songs, but also has eight remix songs with vocals. I'll have to do a mini-episode on it, or do an episode that covers subjects I missed in past episodes. Another gap is the Forcoma tie-in comics that started getting made for the games. The first ones were actually made for Kirby's Dream Land 2, and Kirby Superstar has some as well. Unfortunately, I can't get my hands on them, so I can't translate and read them and talk about them in depth. But we will talk about them a little bit on, based on what we do know from the wikis for the comics. In the future, if I get my hands on them, we can do an episode on them after they're translated and everything. One last thing to note is that all information was found through wikis and websites interviewing Sakurai about Kirby Superstar and playing the game itself, and also from places that have gone in and just grabbed all the files from the games, like Cutting Room Floor and things like that. We will specifically be covering Kubri Superstar and not Ultra. All interesting details that later come out through Ultra will be saved for that episode, and that will be big too, because Ultra has more game modes and introduces lore in the pause screens. That is the first game to do that. So Kirby Superstar just keeps bringing in new concepts every time they happen, and then Ultra does even more. So with all that set, let's go over the order of this episode. Similar to how we've done previous episodes, we'll be covering Kirby Superstar in sections. First, we'll talk about the status of Hala's company since the last game. Then we'll go over the background and the making of Kirby Superstar. Then the advertising tie-ins of Kirby Superstar. Then how well did it sell. Then the box art and the game manual. Then we'll go over the game itself, and I'll try my best to weave the game into a big story about Kirby as we tell you about everything in this game, all the references and things like that, and all the different facts and trivia. Then we'll go over any lasting interesting facts or glitches left to mention. Then the credits and any interesting facts about the staff there. And lastly, we're going to reflect on the game and where I think it ranks up with all the other games we've previously covered, since we've done it chronologically, just everything up to this point. And we'll also rank all the games within Kirby Superstar. That should be fun, too. So there's going to be a lot of information in this episode, and you're going to learn a lot about Kirby. And I hope you enjoy the story we're going to tell as well. So how is Hal doing at this point? Quick recap before we skip to Kirby's Dream Land 2. If you want a full history, go back to previous gaming episodes. So Hal was around since 1980, making random games because the company was a bunch of enthusiasts who wanted to explore what video games could do. Eventually, they went bankrupt in 1991 after being too ambitious with Metal Slater Glory. This was a game made for the NES, and it was super ambitious. They spent a lot of money on it, and it tanked. So Nintendo bought their debt and made them into a second-party company and put Satoru Iwata into the president spot for HAL. Iwata swore he would pay back their 1.5 billion yen debt in six years by paying back 250 million yen a year. Thankfully, this all happened, of course, 
but it wouldn't have been possible without a little pink hero named Kirby who was born in 1992 by their newest hire, the 20-year-old Masahiro Sakurai. They hired him at the age of 18, by the way, like straight out of school. They hire him. He's got this idea. They let him run with it. And eventually Kirby's Dream Land comes out of it. So skipping the Kirby's Dream Land 2, HAL still has three years to go on their debt repayment to Nintendo, so everyone's working hard to keep the company alive. Kirby's Dream Land 2 helps a lot by eventually selling 2.36 million copies on the Game Boy. Kirby's Storybox and the Teleview helps a little bit as well. And during this time, Sakurai has been working on Kirby Superstar immediately after the release of Kirby's Adventure in 1993. Eventually, Shimomura will work on the next Dream Land game for the SNES with 3, and Hitoshi Yamagami on the next Game Boy game, Kirby's Star Stacker. Now let's talk about the making of Kirby Superstar. This is going to be a fun section. In 1993, Sakurai just finished Kirby's Adventure, and they're at the start of planning out the next Kirby game, and so Satoru Iwata and Masahiro Sakurai visit Shigeru Miyamoto, the father of Mario, Link, and many others. From this meeting and his own ideas, Sakurai had three pillars in mind for making Kirby Superstar. Pillar 1. Co-op. Sakurai and Iwata went to Miyamoto to see what he thought before they went ahead with Kirby Superstar. Miyamoto was interested in Kirby being co-op on SNES. Miyamoto wanted co-op in Mario, but it never became a thing until the Wii. Miyamoto thought Mario games were too fast for co-op, and personally, having played them, yeah, it's messy fun playing Mario and co-op. It's just such a mess. So while Miyamoto thought Kirby was slow enough for co-op, while his game was just too fast. Sakurai, of course, objects, thinking that Kirby's pretty fast. You know, he's got his wheel abilities pretty fast, but in the end he relents that, yeah, co-op could work. And co-op was the only request Miyamoto made when he was advising for Kirby Superstar. Sakurai gave it some thought and decided it would be more main player and assistant player, and the camera always follows Kirby, and from there he used the copy abilities and came up with the helper system. With this, the seasoned player could be Kirby, and the inexperienced player could be the helper without worry. This is also the birth of Kirby's hats, so you could easily tell which power he had, and he could pass them to transform the helper. The second pillar was fighting game similarity. Sakurai gave enemies toughness because when everything was one hit to die, Kirby did everything and the helper just watched. He also gave the abilities more than one move, so it was more versatile, and more like a fighting game. If you didn't know, Sakurai was a big-time fighting game player, going as far as 50 wins in a row against others in arcades. Sakurai really likes fighting games, which makes sense when you see him with, of course, Smash Brothers. And the third and last pillar, the Omnibus. At the time, the trend was that long games were the best bang for your buck. Long games could go also way too long to the point that you didn't finish the game. So Sakurai wanted to make the antithesis. Instead of some long journey, you would have a collection of short stories, thus the omnibus format. Six main games, two sub-games, and a boss rush mode. This was the plan from the start, and there was a seventh main game, but we'll get to that later. Sakurai really liked the omnibus format because it gave you lots of options on what you wanted to play, and there were also shorter experiences like the two sub-games to enjoy. His whole mindset was choice. Give the player choices on how to enjoy the game, and that's why we had the corkboard. After this meeting, Satoru Iwata would help with programming, but not meddle in the creation of the game. He trusted Sakurai to do a good job. Early development of Superstar was done on the NES to prove concepts, by the way, which is pretty cool. We have some of the sprites, like there is the Cutter and Yo-Yo Kirby, based on NES graphics. And Sakurai liked doing this because they didn't just base everything on drawings, and you could see graphically just how things would work out. Which is an interesting idea. You use... The NES to show just proof of concept some of the things Kirby could do in these powers, and then translate it later to SNES. Development was going well at first, but then Donkey Kong Country happened. Donkey Kong Country was one of the reasons why Kirby took three years to come out. Midway through development, Donkey Kong Country 
came out and it was amazing visually. So they decided to incorporate computer graphics and they threw out all the art they made up to that point. All of it. Donkey Kong Country came out in November 1994, Kirby Superstar would come out in March 1996. But the copyright says they were finishing the game in 1995, meaning they finished in 1995, they polished it up for release in March of 1996. So Kirby's Adventure was in March 1993, so Sakurai was over a year in development of Kirby Superstar when they did the graphical change. I am really curious what the old art looked like, but we'll likely never know, because that's probably deleted or thrown out. So that's too bad. So now let's talk about the Lost game. All games in the original Kirby Superstar proposal were made except one, Kagero Mansion. It was a horror game where Kirby was in a mansion and he was cursed with his mouth sealed. He would get his copy abilities differently, like getting fire from a candle. It was going to be a horror action puzzle game. It was not made because they were too busy making all the other games, though, unfortunately. It's really curious because, you know, Kirby just jumps genres all the time. It would have been interesting to do a horror game with Kirby. And having played Clockwork Tower on uh, SNES, scary games can be made on the SNES, so that would have been interesting to see. Something else to mention is the demos in-game. When you leave the game idle, you'll see gameplay of the game, and that is all Sakurai playing the game right there. Other things to mention about making the game, the title, logo, calligraphy for Setsuna no Mikiri, Samurai Kirby, is Sakurai's. He used a brush pen, then imported it to computer, and then turned it into pixels. He's also the third voice of Kirby. He yelled out, Chesto! Chesto! In the music room for Kirby's third mic attack. The window was open a little, so people outside looked at the HAL office, and Sakurai could see them looking at him. It was just people working the farming fields outside. And on this note, I'll mention real quick, the first ever voice of Kirby is Mayumi Tanaka. We do not currently know who was the second voice of Kirby. That would be the one who did Tedia for second mic attack, Sakurai being the third. And the fourth is the one we all know as Kirby's voice now, Makiko Omoto, who got to voice Kirby and Ness in the first Smash Brothers game. The current guess is someone on staff did the mic attack, and I'll make a guess on who that is in the credits section in the future. By the way, Kirby Superstar nearly maxed the cartridge in memory size. To save space, they used palette swaps on enemy colors between enemy and helper, and did the same with some of Kirby's powers like Beam and Mirror. Let's go over the scrap powers. So there were nine powers that were going to be in this game, but then they got reworked. So the first five, Tomosama, Satellite, Summon, Manto, and Flower. Flower was a shout out to Pamela DuPont's character Lip, which he referenced in Smash Brothers with the Flower Weapon. There was also Grenade and Rush, which became Bomb and Fighter. And Card and Donate became Magic Kirby in Amazing Mirror and Doctor in Kirby Planet Robobot. So out of those nine powers, five were scrapped completely and four were changed. Something cool is that there is concept art for five of those powers, which are Rush, Wing, Card, Flower, and Mantle. So I gotta mention this, some people like to think that maybe Kirby Superstar was Sakurai's planned last Kirby game for him to work on before moving on to other projects. This is because this would be his third game in a row he'd made, and later on in years, Sakurai would complain about people always assuming his next game was going to be a sequel. This was stated in 2003, so years later, after he made Kirby's Air Ride, but it holds true. If you want to be a creative person, you don't want to do just games for one character, but Kirby is his baby, and he was expected to do that because they needed to save Hal. Unfortunately for Sakurai, he's mostly known for making lots of sequels to two game series. It's an unfortunate truth for Sakurai, since he went on to make Smash Brothers and didn't touch another Kirby game for six years when he helped make Kirby Nightmare in Dreamland, which was a remake of Kirby Adventure. His last game, of course, would be Kirby Air Ride before leaving and making Mateos and Mushi King the King of Beatles and then returning to make Smash Brothers and trying again with Kid Icarus Uprising before doing two more Smash Brothers. 
So you see Sakurai trying to do original IPs or do other people's art properties, and then he ends up going back to something he's known for, like Smash Brothers or Kirby. It's unfortunate for him, but it's what he does. He's just really good at making things that other people want him to make. Now here's an interesting quote from Sakurai about how he makes games, that is, There are all kinds of game genres, like fighting games and puzzle games, and each one has its own fun core. First I try taking away everything unnecessary around that core, then it's like I place the fun core somewhere else and build around it again. Which makes sense, because the thing is, he goes, okay, here's Kirby, and here's this genre. Let's see how we can build Kirby around that genre kind of thing. Like, what are the core fun things about this genre? And let's put Kirby around it. And that mindset goes on to Hal as well, considering the many genres Kirby has been in. Kirby, of course, did racing. Kirby has been in fighters. Kirby has been in pinball. Has been in... Dream Course, so Putt-Putt Golf. Kirby's been in a lot of different game ideas breakaway, and so that shows just the core idea behind it with Kirby. And it works perfectly for Hal, because Hal is enthusiasts who like to make different genres in different games, so Kirby works perfect for them. Think about it now, Kirby was this placeholder character, and he just works for everything. So with the game finished, Sakurai still needed to figure out the title. The first name was Kirby the Star's Active, because of how active the game was. Fortunately, the creator of Earthbound... Higisato Itoi was hanging out and suggested Kirby the Star Super Deluxe. In Japan, they actually sold the game in a Paulonia box with a burnt seal to show how rich in content the game was. High-priced items like high-grade sake were also sold in similar boxes. When the game finally released on March 21st, 1996, a three-year gap after Kirby's adventure, Masahiro Sakurai was 25 years old. In the US, it would be September 20th, 1996, and in PAL regions, January 23rd, 1997. The PAL region we didn't know is Europe, Africa, South America, Asia, Australia, all those places. If you listen or watch this episode on release, you'll see that we made this episode to release on the 25th anniversary in the US. By the way, that means Masahiro Sakurai is 50 years old now. Wow. He has been doing gaming since he was 18 years old, like developing games. He has been in this forever. Wow. Will that man ever rest is the question. Now let's talk about advertising and tie-ins for the game. So let's do the commercials first. In Japan, Kirby Superstar's commercial was two muscular guys running together while holding hands and saying Kirby-chan over and over again. One guy has a Kirby on his head while the other guy is just a dude. And they cut in footage of the game with an announcer mentioning that there are six games in there and it's on the Super Famicom. The commercial ends with the two buff guys playing on the SNES and their mother comes in. So that's a wild but fun commercial. What I like is it's just two buff dudes, because yeah, Kirby should be jacked. <laughs> While in the US, it continued the commercial style of Kirby's block ball. A kid gets rolled into the emergency room and everyone's horrified because he has TMK. TMK! Too much Kirby. The kid has turned into a pink balloon person. So they roll him into a room with other kids like this, and they show gameplay footage with sweet guitar riffs playing in the background. Then it ends with a nurse yelling next after popping a kid with a needle and laughing. US commercials are weird. I was able to find one more advertisement from the US, and it was a print ad for Kirby, and I think I actually saw this when I was a kid, since I had EGM. It's a hand saying you like Kirby, have s'more. And it's holding a graham cracker, Kirby as a marshmallow, and chocolate under Kirby, and they're giving it to you, to the, to the reader. And Kirby looks mean, because of course he does. The exact words in the advertisement is, Get ready for a smorgasbord of Kirby action. Kirby Superstar, eight tasty games in one. And this time the softy has an edge. Now he not only eats his enemies, he can take their powers, 23 to be exact. In this world, you are who you eat. Chow down on a ninja and Kirby goes kung fu fighting. He can even hawk up the bad and use them as helpers. So prepare yourself, because this time the marshmallow is doing the roasting. By the way, ninja does not give fighter ability. Ninja gives ninja ability. I don't know why they said it that way, but they did. 
It's interesting that they know there's 23 powers, but then they mess that up. The US just really liked making Kirby edgy, and one of these days, in the deep future, we'll do an episode on edgy Kirby in comparison to Japanese soft Kirby, and eventually the US eventually going into soft Kirby. As for tie-ins, I mentioned it earlier, the Kirby Yonkoma or Four Koma comic anthologies, they were made by Enix, the company before it merged with Squaresoft to make Square Enix. There were three books for Kirby Superstar, and they followed the game while being quite funny, is my understanding. The first is Kirby of the Stars Four Frame Manga Theater 3. The cover is Beam Kirby leading an army of helper friends. Manga Theater 4's cover is Kirby on Wheelie as Ryder Kirby, and there's more helpers behind him, like Capsule J and Birdhawn. And the third book is called Hoshi no Kirby Short Comic Theater. On the cover is Wing Kirby, King Dedede, Marks, and a few others. When we cover Kirby's Dreamland 3, we'll be able to show some pages that were scanned online, thankfully. That's nice. Sadly, none of these books, though, were scanned, even a little, for Kirby Superstar, so that's too bad. If I can find them, I'll, I'll get them and do it myself, but until then, as far as I know, they're lost to time. Now let's talk about how well the game sold. Well, unfortunately, Kirby Superstar came out three months before the N64 came out, so it didn't have a great start. Ultimately, Kirby sold 1.44 million copies. Had Kirby been able to release maybe a year earlier, it potentially would have done a lot better. Unfortunately, this trend will continue to the future with Kirby's Dream Land 3. It's actually the 8th to last game to come out on the SNES before the SNES got discontinued. Fun fact, the last game to come out on, on the Super Nintendo is the SNES remake of Metal Slater Glory. Yup. Reception, however, was very good. Superstar graded highly with most groups and is finally remembered as a favorite for many of the older Kirby players today. For some, it is the best Kirby game of all time until the DS remake Kirby Superstar Ultra improved on it. Ultra actually is one of the few games I never played, and it'll be interesting to compare the two when I play it for its episode in the future. By the way, yeah, Superstar is my favorite of all time, until I guess I play Ultra and see if that one's better. I guess that spoils what the ranking's gonna be at the end. Like, Robobot's really good. A lot of people, that's their favorite, and that is an introduction for a lot of people as well. But Superstar, I guess, was one of the big ones for my childhood, so of course it's my number one. It also set the stage for a lot of things in the future. So let's talk about the Japanese box art again first. Instead of the usual rectangle on its side design Super Nintendo usually had for its games, Kirby Superstar Deluxe was the standing tall rectangle instead, and it looked like a sake box. On it was a burned imprint of the title and Kirby smiling at you. The polonia wood, by the way, is actually the fastest growing hardwood on the planet. It is light, fine-grained, and warp-resistant. The wood is also known as Princess Tree, so that's perfect for high-class items. For the US, we get Beam Kirby in front of a gold design that looks like it's for a wrestling belt against a black background with yellow stars around it. It also says 8 games in 1 at the bottom and the title Kirby Superstar. The European version is very similar, except the name is Kirby's Fun Pack instead, and it's a pink background instead of black. On the back of the Japanese box, we get lots of shots of gameplay and some information. On the back of the US and PAL box is the same writing and gameplay footage, but the background is black for the US and pink for uh, the rest of the world. And here's what the back says. Power up for eight action-packed battles and adventures. Dreamland is under siege again. Our hero Kirby returns and instigate a rescue. King Diddy is snatching up Dreamland's food supply, but he's not the only one. Dynablade, Meta Knight, and a slew of other evil baddies are on the loose and wreaking havoc throughout the land. Use any of Kirby's amazing powers to create a helper to assist you in battle, or have a friend join you for some two-player action by taking control of Kirby's helper. Help Kirby work through eight challenging games filled with action and adventure. Enter the fray in Spring Breeze, enter a foot race against King Diddy in Gourmet Race, and tackle a winged warrior in Dynablade. Hone your action skills in Megaton Punch and Samurai Kirby, then battle your way through the Great Cave Offensive, Revenge of Meta Knight, and Milky Way Wishes. Each game is different, and some extra special surprises are in store for you. 
includes eight action-packed games and special surprises. Two-player action is possible when you activate Kirby's Helper feature. Huge 32-meg game provides excellent entertainment value for Kirby fans of all ages. Battery backup saves your progress and best scores. That's all that with the box. Nice box! Now let's look at the game manual. It's the same across all of them, just different languages. This book is thick, by the way. 38 pages long. That's pretty good for this time period. I've always enjoyed Kirby game manuals. They do a very good job of explaining all the controls and mechanics of the game by using images of Kirby to easily explain concepts. Kirby really is useful in that way. So the first writing you'll see is on the third page and says, Kirby makes his latest appearance on the Super NES. This time, there's exciting new action, two-player simultaneous play, and eight different games. With more cool abilities, Kirby is one tough puff. His new adventure is about to begin. Followed by explaining controls and copy abilities, they then show Cook Kirby, Fighter, Sword, and Cutter, and explain that there are over 20 powers, and you can use the pawn screen to learn how to use the powers. They then show the one-shot ability characters, and what happens when you suck two abilities together at once, which is the mix power, which you can get, and you can get any power from that. They also explain how to eat big enemies, and you gotta soften them up with violence first. All the concepts of Helper are explained next, and interestingly, Waddle Doo is used for most Helper examples. Poor Waddle Doo will of course eventually be replaced with Waddle Dee as Kirby's Player 2 character in future games. Getting to the game is explained, and they then go over the corkboard screen. I think now we would just call it the main menu, but it's cool to know it was always known that in the US as well, and not just in Japan. The book explains that you need to beat other modes to unlock Revenge of Meta Knight and Milky Way Wishes, then the book gets into the games and story descriptions. We'll try to incorporate the book introductions and the in-game introductions when we tell the game as a story later on, by the way. First up is Spring Breeze. The book says, That awful King Deity is at it again. He's stolen all the food in Dreamland. The inhabitants don't like being hungry and have asked Kirby to help. The new adventure begins! This is, of course, the first adventure beginning, actually. Spring Breeze is like an HD remake of Kirby's Dreamland. More gameplay elements are explained while talking about Spring Breeze, and then on to the next game. It's just interesting, though, it does say he's at it again, which means, yeah, kind of just, King Diddy stole the food again. So it's either an HD remake, or just a retelling, or just something. Or you can just say, King Diddy just did it again. Next one, Dinoblade. The book says, a strange bird named Dinoblade has come from the mountain and ruined the crops. Unless Kirby can stop him, Dreamland will be devastated. Yeah, the citizens don't know she's a lady yet. More concepts are explained and bonus chances shown. What's nice is the manual tells you there are hidden switches to unlock secret rooms to get whatever power you want. Third game, Gourmet Race. The book says a large fruit orchard is filled with food. Kirby heard about the orchard and journeyed there, but King Diddy was waiting for him. Now all Kirby has to do is win the Gourmet Race. Piece of cake, right? And then the mechanics of Gourmet Race are explained in the book. The objective of this game is to beat King Diddy to the end of the race and to eat more food than him. There's also a time attack mode where you can race your best time, and next time you play, a star will represent your best run. Now the fourth game, The Great Cave Offensive. While on a picnic, Kirby fell into a huge cave. Rumor has it that this cave is full of treasures. Can Kirby find all the treasures and make it out of the dangerous cave alive? We shall see. Then they explain the treasure-making mechanics and explain that there are 60 treasures to find. Then the fifth game, Revenge of Meta Knight. One of Kirby's old foes, Meta Knight, has built a giant ship and is planning to conquer Dreamland. It's up to Kirby to destroy the ship, defeat Meta Knight, and save Dreamland. Good luck, Kirby! They then explain that this game will have messages from the enemies sometimes, which are helpful hints, and that this game has a timer on it. Because if Kirby takes too long, then conquest happens. And lastly, the sixth game, Milky Way Wishes. The sun and moon had a huge argument. Because of this, the days and nights in Dreamland are mixed up. It's up to Kirby to solve this dilemma and restore order to Dreamland. Then all the special power mechanics of Milky Way Wishes are explained. Then Emmanuel goes over two sub-games, Megaton Punch and Samurai Kirby, and how to play them. No special descriptions. Then how Game Over and Continue works. 
then showing various items and other things like blocks, cannons, posts, elevators, and more. Lastly, it goes over your curious choice of enemy characters, and I'll read them for you. First up is Poppy Bro Sr. He jumps left and right while on screen and throws bombs. Wispy Woods, a gigantic tree that attacks by dropping apples or spitting air bullets. Cook Kawasaki, he'll try to catch Kirby with a, sh a spatula and cook him, which is incorrect, he uses a pan. Wheelie, Wheelie crashes the Kirby at high speed. When he's a helper, he can carry Kirby. Fatty Whale, a huge whale that moves vigorously to attack his opponent. Sir Kibble, a tough enemy who is master of the sword. Dinoblade, a gigantic bird who can attack his opponent by either stretching out his neck or grabbing with his claws. And King Dedede, he'll open his big mouth and try to inhale Kirby or hit him with his hammer. After that, the manual is done, and now it's time to talk about the game itself. Wow, was that a lot of information up to this point? So before we tell all this as a story, first we gotta go over the things we can't, like describing the corkboard and tutorials. When you first start the game, you'll get Halkin and Nintendo nameplates, then the classic opener of Kirby coming in on a star. Then when you hit start, you get to pick a save file. There's three. There's always three. And as you play the game, a different Kirby appears at the bottom of your save file, and you see percentages progress through the game, ultimately hitting 100%, which was introduced in Adventure. And there's a big star for each major game, and eventually when you beat the hidden game of Arena, that will show two as an EX star. When you first come in, there's a corkboard with all the games available, except Revenge of Meta Knight, and Milky Way Wishes, and the Arena. As you beat games, later games unlock. When you start a game, you get another introduction to the game, and if you don't press start immediately, you're treated to a short story introduction and eventually a demo featuring Sakurai's gameplay. Once you hit start, the game will ask you if it's your first time playing, and if you hit yes, you get an in-depth tutorial, and if you hit no, you get a short tutorial on how to play the game anyway. So either they hold your hand for a while, or for a second, but no matter what, they hold in your hand. Kirby's touchy-feely, after all. So the first game is called Spring Breeze. The reason for this is that the game manual in Kirby's Dreamland described Kirby as a youth who came with the Spring Breeze. So the title is based on that. By the way, some Kirby manga open with that with a w as well. Someone feels a Spring Breeze, and then Kirby appears. Interestingly, Sakurai considered not giving Kirby the copy ability in this game, so it would be just like Kirby's Dreamland. After all, Spring Breeze is kind of an HD remake of Kirby's Dreamland, except the levels are shorter and a whole level, boss, and two powers are missing. The Mint Leaf and Spicy Curry are cut out, and the level Casalololo is out, and Kabula is cut as well. Also, most of the sub-boss fights and the fight with all bosses before fighting King Diddy is cut too, and the game, because of this, is a Spring Breeze to play through. You can beat it really, really fast and easily. This was on purpose by Sakurai. It's the start, so he wanted it to be fast and fun, and by the way, if, if you're a Kabula fan, Kirby Superstar Ultra does a more true HD remake of the extra mode and brings back Kabula. By the way, the Japanese title of this game is Harukaze Totomoni, which directly translates to Together with the Spring Breeze. So when you pick the game, it says it's a level 1 difficulty game, and Spring Breeze is there on the title, and the image is Kirby happily flying in front of Wispy Woods with a butterfly. And here's the introduction text. Help! All the food from Dreamland has been stolen. Hurry, Kirby, or everyone will starve. The opening video in the game says there's trouble in Dreamland, as we see a bunch of burglars leaving in the night. King Dede and his soldiers have stolen all the food in Dreamland. We see Waddle Dees and Waddle Doos walking away too, and then we see King Dedede leaving gobbling up some food too. Then we see the next morning and Kirby jumps on a star and flies after them as the game says, here comes our hero Kirby, riding in on the spring breeze. Let the adventure begin. So let's tell the story now. Kirby first arrives in Green Greens and decides to play with some butterflies, but oh no, the butterflies play back hard. After getting away from the butterflies, Kirby starts his journey for real this time, and he encounters the first of many of King Diddy's soldiers he's going to face in this campaign. It's a waddle do! The cute waddle with one big eye. Kirby's been fighting these guys on every adventure he's been on. 
when Kirby decides he'd like to not be alone on his journey this time, so he sucks up Waddle Doo and gives him a talking to in his belly, saying, Hey, King Diddy stole everyone's breakfast. We should get back everyone's breakfast. Waddle Doo thinks about his waffles and agrees, and they make friends. Now Waddle Doo's gonna help Kirby on his journey. They next run into a Cappy, the mushroom man who thinks Waddle Doo's on his side, but nope. Kirby takes Cappy's hat, and then Waddle Doo gets in the way to help Kirby finish him off. Cappy really wishes King Diddy would stop making Kirby their enemy. Kirby then sucks up a brown old bird who's flying around, who also regrets being in King Diddy's army sometimes, and Kirby's been beating up on brown old bird since many times on his adventures. With his familiarity with the area, Kirby goes into a secret area in a nearby hill and finds Sir Kibble trying to eat a Maxim tomato that Kirby was stashing here. Kirby makes him pay and sucks him up, and becomes Cutter Kirby, and copies his abilities. Cutter is one of the many powers Kirby's never going to stop getting in his adventures since Sir Kibble was always dutifully serving King Dedede. Someday Sir Kibble will find a way to give Kirby trouble, but it isn't today. Kirby has been working on his copy ability, by the way, and he's now able to manifest hats on his head. Which is really handy here since he throws the blades from the hat instead of having to manifest the blades every time he uses his ability, like he did on his first big adventure a while back. This hat looks like a cute duck, by the way, and Kirby does use its parts as blades. Kirby shares his Maxim tomato with Waddle Doo, and they move on to slap down a Twizzy out of the sky nearby. Everything's feeling very familiar. Kirby has fought a lot of these Twizzies, by the way, since his first time in Dreamland. Kirby thinks, wow, I've been fighting these guys for a long time while cutting down a Waddle Dee without realizing it. Kirby goes through a lot of Waddle Dees. It's like breathing for Kirby sometimes in these adventures. Kirby then grabs a familiar Warp Star and faces down the first sub-boss he ever fought, Poppy Bros Jr. and Sr. Kirby uses his big cutter combo, and together with Waddle-Doo's big beam blast, the poppies go down easily. Kirby's been fighting the poppy bros all his life, by the way, as he's been in Dreamland, and it looks like there's no end to this since they're always in King Dedede's employ. After some more fighting, Kirby decides to try to form a new power, and he sucks up a bomb-wielding poppy bros junior to become Bomb Kirby. He's got a cute blue cap on his head and bombs to blow everything up. Kirby first tries the bombs on a Grizzo, this is a bear enemy that the Poppy Bros usually like to ride as mounts, and the Grizzle blows up pretty good. Grizzle is this big cute bear that wears a headband, and Kirby actually hasn't seen them since his first time helping everybody in Dreamland. After having some trouble in a tree hollow, Kirby decides to try out some new ideas with the beam ability. He manifests a yellow and orange jester head on his head, and a wand in his hand, and tries out new beam attacks. Copying what'll do a bit. Kirby actually hasn't used his ability since his uh, first big adventure a while back. Together, the twin beams of Kirby and Waddle Doo lay waste to all foes, and eventually face down Wispy Woods. Wispy Woods has always stood in Kirby's way. Since Kirby knows Wispy is an ally of King Dedede's and lives near his home, Kirby always visits Wispy first. So whenever King Dedede causes trouble, Wispy knows he's the first line of defense. Whether he likes it or not, he's always the first line of defense. Wispy drops apples and gordos at Kirby and shoots windblasts at Kirby as well, but Kirby, with the combined beam might of Waddle Doo, quickly make Wispy cry. Wispy gives up the sparkling star that King Dedede left in his care, and Kirby didn't even know King Dedede stole the sparkling stars either. Surprise, Kirby grabs the sparkling star and does a little dance with Waddle Doo. He's like, Kirby's like, oh yeah, he stole those last time too. Kirby then heads to the float islands. Last time Kirby went to Castle Lolo after Green Greens, but Kirby figured he might want to investigate the float islands first. At first arrival at float islands, Kirby decides to fish. He actually catches a blipper and sucks it up immediately. Except, um, he also sucked up the hook and line and has trouble pulling it out. Waddle Doo helps Kirby get the hook out, and then leaves to go back to his post at Green Greens. Kirby then decides he doesn't want to fight alone still, and sucks up a Knuckle Joe guarding the island. This Knuckle Joe is tan with purple hair and a red gi, and Kirby talks to him in his stomach. Hey, King Dedede stole everyone's lunch. We should get back everyone's lunch. Knuckle Joe thinks about his post-workout protein shake and agrees, and they make friends. 
Now Knuckle Joe's can help Kirby on his journey. He also gets a new look when he comes out of Kirby. Now he's blonde with lighter complexion and a blue gi. Then the first thing Kirby sees as they begin island hopping is another blipper, so Kirby goes and eats himself another blipper. Kirby wonders why a fish would need goggles as he takes their goggles and puts them on his head for underwater swimming. As long as Kirby's lived here, these blippers have always given him trouble, and also always had goggles. Kirby isn't done eating though, as he sucks up some nearby squishy guards. Another enemy Kirby has fought for a long time, these squids always get in the way, but they're pretty tasty in Kirby's mind. Kirby then heads into a familiar cave and runs into some kaboos who teleport in. Another enemy Kirby has been fighting forever. There are these weird Moai-looking heads that teleport and spin around to confuse Kirby, but all Kirby ever wonders is if maybe they'll taste better this time. Turns out no is the answer. They still taste like rocks. After some splunking and swimming away from exploding coconuts, Kirby finds an odd sight in the cave. A chili! What's a snowman doing in this dank cave? Chili, the angry snowman with a bell collar and a bucket for a hat, remembers Kirby melting him and his kind many, many times, and he's come out here to fight Kirby already. Unfortunately, it doesn't go well for him, and Kirby chomps down to become Ice Kirby. Kirby manifests a cool ice crown and skates under a gordo as he skates out of the cave. Kirby looks back at the gordo in disgust. One of the few enemies Kirby has fought his entire time in Dreamland and can't defeat. Gordos are big metal spike balls that don't taste good and are very hard to break. Kirby then found a sparkly lollipop, the Invincible Candy. He gobbles it up and it makes Kirby hyper. Kirby shares some with Knuckle Joe and it makes him hyper too. Together they dash through the next few areas on their sugar rush, completely ignoring everything on the way, including a Mr. Frosty they completely run over. The big fat blue walrus, who has been fighting Kirby since his first big adventure, went down easily. After coming down from the lollipop sugar rush, Kirby figures there's nothing here and takes a star to go check out Castle Lola though. They land close to the heart of the castle and Kirby first eyes a bomber, a sentient bomb with legs and a skull painted on its side. At the same time, Knuckle Joe decides to take a nap after all that sugar. So Kirby summons the Chili sucked up to help him. The Chili recognizes Kirby's strength and joins him in his fight. Chili went from wearing a blue bell collar as an enemy to wearing a red bell collar as a friend. Kirby then sucks up the bomber and gains Crash Kirby. The power overflows inside Kirby. He hasn't felt this strong since his first big adventure. He's not sure how long he can hold it. Kirby wants to hold on to this power and use it on King Dedede as he rushes off and avoids new enemies. But then he gets trapped by Lolalo and Lalala. The pair haven't fought Kirby since last time he visited, and they want to win this time. Unfortunately for them, Kirby can't hold it anymore, and the power overflows out of Kirby, and it crashes outside of him into everything around him, instantly knocking out the couple. They cry and give Kirby the sparkling star and then run away. Kirby, relieved, grabs the sparkling star and dances with Chili. Kirby surmises that so far he's fought two of King Dedede's stronger allies, and they each had a star that King Dedede stole, so there must be more stolen stars. Kirby decides to check out the skies next and heads to Bubbly Clouds. Up in the clouds, Kirby feels a draft and might be developing a cold. Kirby sneezes and some stars fall, oh no! Kirby sneezes again and a star bounces off his head and then bounces on him again, knocking him into the clouds. Oh no for sure! Chili hurriedly pulls Kirby out of the clouds and gets really tired from it, so Chili needs a nap. So Kirby waves him goodbye and searches for another friend to make. This time Kirby runs into Blade Knight. Blade Knight wears blue with a red visor and a red tassel and attacks Kirby, but Kirby's too fast and sucks them up. Inside his tummy, Kirby says, Hey, King Diddy stole everyone's dinner. We should get back everyone's dinner. Blade Knight thinks about his Salisbury steak and agrees, and they make friends. Now Blade Knight's gonna help Kirby on his journey, and thus Blade Knight has turned over a new leaf. Blade Knight now dons green armor to show it. Kirby then dodges attacks from Shotso cannons that have been shooting at Kirby since his first time in Dreamland. They're another enemy that Kirby does not find tasty, so he doesn't try to suck them up. 
and all the dodging, Kirby sees another Blade Knight and sucks them up to copy them to become Sword Kirby. This time, Kirby has a cute green cap that looks really familiar. I mean, really, really familiar. And a sweet yellow sword. Kirby's developed some new moves since his first big adventure, one of them being able to fire a beam from the blade when he's at maximum peak physical condition. Yeah, Kirby's copying Link. Like, he's straight up just homage to Link, so at full HP he can shoot a beam from his sword. But Kirby senses he'll need sword ability for something important in the future, and decides to experiment with a new form of power instead. Kirby sees a Samira, a wizard enemy he's never seen before, and see what he can copy from them. Samira is a... just looks like a black mage, but they wear red, they have like a dark face and everything, and have a wizard hat. So Kirby sucks up the red wizard and develops Mirror Kirby. This time he has a jester hat, but it is red and green-blue instead. Kirby sees he can fire reflecting beams at enemies and bounce back projectiles with his shield. So useful! Kirby's so excited from his new power that he doesn't notice the tasty Tukis in front of him, and he blows through them easily. The poor flying chickens, they haven't had to deal with Kirby since his time in Pinball Land, and they're having a rough time already. Kirby then runs into Krakow Jr., the larval form of Krakow. Kirby splits himself in two with the mirror ability and quickly disperses Krakow Jr. Unfortunately, no Spartan Star came out of Krakow Jr., so Kirby continues forward. Kirby then sees a walkie! Kirby excitedly runs to go copy its power! Kirby's had some ideas on how to improve on his mic ability since his first big adventure. Also, Kirby hasn't seen walkie since his first big adventure either. Blade Knight knows full well what's going to happen if Kirby gets his hands on that walkie, so Blade Knight runs in terror. <laughs> Kirby then summons his new ally, Samira, to enjoy the music with him then, since he figures Blade Knight must have went off to tell everyone about the cool music that's going to happen soon. Being new to the place, Samira has no idea what they're in for. Kirby then hurries to find an audience that will fully appreciate his singing ability, as he now has mic ability. Kirby finds it in the form of Krakow! Krakow, the big angry cloud with one eye, who is potentially the father of Waddle Doos, is really mad at Kirby, because every time he sees Kirby, they have a fight, and he just gets wrecked every time. Krakow burns with rage more and more every time he loses, and here we go again. But unfortunately for Krakow, Kirby's happy to see him. Why? Because Kirby now has an audience member. So Kirby pulls out a horn and does a sports chant. And Krakow did not enjoy it one bit. Neither did Samira. Kirby then whips out some headphones and a microphone and shouts, Tania! By the way, this is the second ever voicing of Kirby. We'll go into the credits to guess who it may be, because currently is unknown who it is. And Krakow and Samira really didn't like that. But Kirby's not done yet. He can feel the music flowing throughout his body. The joy of singing must be shared. Kirby whips out a mic stand and puts on a mohawk and makes sure everyone in Bubbly Cloud is going to hear him rock. With a big belt shout of Chesto! Krakow is blown away, and Samira somehow barely hangs on. Kirby thinks Krakow left to go tell their friends about the great singing, while Krakow is thankful they're blown apart for now so they can't hear anymore. To Kirby's surprise, there's a sparkling star in Krakow's possession. Kirby grabs it and has a dance with a weary Samira. By the way, in case you didn't hear earlier, that Chesto was voiced by Masahiro Sakurai himself, making him the third voice of Kirby. Now sensing he has gathered all of the sparkling stars around King Dedede's castle, Kirby hops on a star and flies directly into Mount Dedede and into King Dedede's castle. Upon arrival, Samira revealed they needed some time to rest after all the excitement, and they wish Kirby good luck. So Kirby befriends the first person he sees, Rocky! The blue rock guard who wears a gold Hashimaki. Looks at Kirby. He remembers the many battles he's had with Kirby and rushes Kirby. But Rocky's also a rock, so he's not very fast, so Kirby easily sucks him into his gut. Kirby then says to Rocky, Hey, King Didi stole everyone's dessert. We should get back everyone's dessert. Rocky thinks about Rocky Road, the ice cream that he invented, and agrees, so they make friends. Now Rocky's gonna help Kirby on his journey. 
Rocky now dons an orange hue and wears a blue and white Hachimaki. Kirby then goes and copies himself a bomb ability in case they need to blow the joint. And so the pair enter deeper into the castle and find themselves fighting King Dedede in an arena. It feels nostalgic, but deja vu at the same time. This is where Kirby met King Dedede for the first time last time, too. Then Kirby realizes that, yeah, King Dedede did steal all the food in Dreamland again! He's done this before! King Dedede shouts that he thought maybe this time he'd win since he had a stronger army than last time, but unfortunately Kirby got stronger too with all these new copy abilities. King Dedede rushes Kirby and Kirby fights back. Rocky, unable to hurt his king, goes into rock form and watches the two battle. Kirby catches glimpses of the spectators in the stands as they fight. Lots of minions are watching and cheering for their king. Kirby sees Sparky, Laser Ball, Chili, Mr. Frosty, Sir Kibble, Bronto Bird, Waddle Doo, Scarfy, Waddle Dee, Piper Rose Jr., Naughty, Broomhatter, Cappy, Squishy, Starman, Grand Wheelie, Not Done, Bounder, Kabu, and Poppy Bro Sr. Looking up at the ceiling, Kirby sees a sign saying Champion King Dedede vs. Challenger Kirby. So they were planning this out. And then out of the corner of his eye, Kirby sees, What? What are Mar and Luigi doing here? Wait, Toad too? Oh hey, behind them are Birdo and Bowser and Peach! So an aside, you actually can't see every character in the game because Kirby can only go so far to the side in the arena. But Peach and Bowser are in the crowd shot, they're just cut off. But if you go into the game files, you can see that they're actually there. Kirby waves at his friends and then turns attention back to King Dedede. Unfortunately for King Dedede, he didn't train hard enough and Kirby's new copy ability, Bomb, overwhelms the helpless king. The crowd goes wild as Kirby hits King Dedede again. And again. And again. The loyal crowd is convinced King Dedede is just warming up. But then Kirby hits King Dedede one more time with a bomb. And then a loud sound reverberates through the arena. Kirby's Chester from Bubbly Clouds finally arrives and he combines with the bomb's might and blasts King Dedede out of the arena and through the castle walls. So what happens here is, if you beat King Dedede in the original, you get like a screechy sound. And this one decided to replace it with Chesto. I'm like, oh, let's just make that work somehow. And with that, Kirby dances happily as he grabs the fourth and final sparkling star. Good thing King Dedede didn't grab all five like he did last time, Kirby thinks. It might have been tough having to fight Kabula again. Kirby wonders what happened to Kabula as he finishes his dance. Speaking of Kabula, Kirby remembers what he did last time and balloons into a huge hot air balloon and carries King Dedede's castle back to the villagers of Dreamland, dropping lots of food everywhere along the way. With the help of the sparkling stars, the castle stays in the sky and drops food some more. The people of Dreamland cheer and thank Kirby, and Kirby puts up a big sign that confuses everyone. It says, Next. Kirby knows his adventures are just heating up and is ready for the next catastrophe to the distress of everyone else. The end. In the original Kirby's Dreamland, he puts up the end sign, of course, but this one is next because this is just the start. So during Kirby's flight as a balloon, the credits roll. The song is the same as it was in the original Kirby's Dreamland. It is called A New Wind for Tomorrow, and it was composed by the great Jun Ishikawa. The name is perfect for Kirby since he comes in on a spring breeze and saves Dreamland time and time again. We will see these credits again in Milky Way Wishes, but presented differently. Here they breeze through the credits quickly. So, lastly, covering again, let's see any facts that I forgot to mention earlier, and there's only one I can think of, and that is, since this is the first and easiest mode, all boss HP is lowered by 65%. You'll notice this when you fight these bosses again in the true arena, well, in the arena, and they have more HP. Also for the tutorial room, the song is called The Beginner's Room, and this song will evolve over time in many future Kirby titles with tutorial rooms. And that's everything Spring Breeze. So since its inception, Jinx thought it was going to be multiple episodes, and I didn't believe her. I thought, here we are, we, we can do all this in one big episode, maybe maybe be 90 minutes or so, but uh, no, no, that's the end of this episode, because we're already breaking 16,000 words on the script, and I'm in the middle of the Great Cave Offensive. I still have Meta Knight, and I still have Milky Way Wishes, and the Arena to do, and Samurai Kirby. We're halfway through the game with the script writing, 
and it's just a big script. So we're cutting off here. Interesting facts, by the way, just uh, this part of the podcast is 8,000 words, around that much. And Kirby in the script is 11% of the script, because that makes sense. Kirby's going to get mentioned a lot. He's the main character. So we're doing this in parts for the Sanity of Jinx, because she has to do the video version of this podcast, which is going to be a lot of work. A lot of work. So as always, if you have feedback, let us know in uh, the YouTube comments or on at Curry Dreamcast on Twitter. Share us with your friends. Again, we are the only video covering Kirby Superstar in depth all the way through. All the information we can find is going to be in these videos and in the podcast. So share your friends so they learn about Kirby Superstar and know that eventually your favorite game will come up. I'm going to cover everything that is Kirby. That is the point of this podcast. Everything will be covered. You will learn everything there is to know about every game, about every anime episode, about everything. That is the goal of the podcast, and I hope you stick with us for all of that. So in the end, I had fun, I hope you had fun too, and thanks for coming by, and I'll see you next time in part two, and maybe a part three. Mm-hmm.